Hello, it's 17th of March 2019 and this is episode 96 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. And how has your week in Star Wars been, Rachel? Pretty quiet, apart from Resistance, which I'm not oh going to talk about too much because that's pretty much going to form like 60% of this episode, I expect. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely worth the wait and I'm very excited to talk about it. Me too, but I'm not ready to say goodbye. Oh, yeah. No, it's so true. Like, it really has like flown by. So it's been like, what, 20 episodes or something? Yeah, I feel like it started yesterday or something. That's an exaggeration. But it's just gone so quickly. And yeah, I could easily do with like 10 more episodes. It's such a fabulous show. It is. It's just been so nice to have something fresh every week and to follow it. Yeah. Um, I know we'll be getting the new season in the fall, so it's not too long to wait. Yeah. But... Exactly. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess up. Yeah, I'm going to get withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my resistance, man? Where's my resistance? Give me some resistance. <laughs> oh no but luckily there there will be lots of new star warsy things to talk about um the stuff that's come out that we haven't even had a chance to get to yet um i just started reading queen's shadow the new padme book yes um it's too early on for me to give a review or i'm I'm just like you know very early on in it yeah um but i'm enjoying it so far and i feel like i'm gonna enjoy it okay good um but we'll discuss that in full when you get your copy in a few weeks yeah no, fingers crossed it arrives sooner rather than later. I think it's due to arrive in the next week or so. So, yeah, it better be here before celebration because that was the whole point of ordering it. So it's like, oh, yeah, on. you could read it on the plane. Yeah, exactly. That is my plan. So, yeah, although it's also that weird tension because even if I read it on the plane, realistically, we're probably not going to be podcasting about that thing until after celebration. And after True. celebration, we're going to be in such different terrain in terms of having all this new shit to talk about. But yeah, basically it will get read and we will podcast about it, essentially. So ignore my ramble. We'll get to it eventually. It's just, you know, you see other people pumping out their episodes so quickly. It's like, wow, yeah, we can't keep up. No. <laughs> it's and, just not. And to be fair, I think some of the people who were doing those like, early review episodes, I think some of them got advanced review copies. So That's true. they're much they're in a much better position to do that so yeah yeah if you want us to yeah, review the UK quickly, has give us review copies well the uk has weird publishing dates as well right it, it took does. you a while to figure out even when you were gonna be able to get your hands on it yeah exactly i don't think it's published here officially until may the copy i ordered is some random used copy and it was apparently dispatched like two weeks ago but for bizarre reasons it takes like four weeks to arrive so I presume it's been sent via like surface mail from Bulgaria or something. Um, <laughs> Bulgaria. I just wanted to pick like the most random place that I could think of off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, they got Queen Shadow last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bulgaria is where all this cool Star Wars shit is happening, but no one knows. It's the world's best kept secret. Um, yeah, so. Oh, also, I know that a certain man of the moment has been listening to the podcast, Kirsty. Yes, Scott Ladwig listened to us last week. Um, If people don't remember, that's the guy who was lucky enough to attend the Disney shareholders meeting and was gracious enough to talk to us about it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, Give us those juicy deets. And he left us a lovely review and he said he's going to listen to us from now on. So that was really touching. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, no, it was an honour. I'm very touched. Because, yeah, especially to have someone who's kind of new to all the Star Wars fandom business, to know that someone in that position can listen to our show and still find it enjoyable and intelligible is very nice because, yeah, we're sort of like on the other side of all of it <laughs> at the moment. We're, well, that's we're so the thing. Deep. You know, most people I know in real life, they love Star Wars and are happy to talk about it and have a conversation and go and see the movies on opening night and everything. But when it comes to telling them you've got a podcast, they're like, what do you talk about yeah, every week? Exactly. <laughs> it's on another level. Yeah. So. Hashtag stalls podcast problems. <laughs> Sometimes there's more to talk about than others. But. Yeah, that's true. This has absolutely been a slow n- news week. Um, but yeah, oh, and also there's a correction, isn't there? Because in last week's episode, we assumed something. Yeah, could you explain, Kirsty? Yeah, so we had been... Because, I mean, this stuff 
I don't know, maybe we were just living under a rock, but we mistakenly assumed that to get invited to one of these exciting shareholders meetings where you see exclusive new footage, um, you'd have to be, you know, Mr. Big Bucks. You'd have to have lots of Disney shares to be considered important enough to go. Mm. But um, after Scott listened to us, he corrected us on Twitter and said, you only need one share. Which blows my mind. Yeah, and I was listening to him on on Steel Wars, and he was saying it really does feel more like a fan event. It's not. We were com- again, maybe because we'd had like the Bob Iger conference call a few weeks earlier. We were thinking of it as this kind of like stuffy investors meeting where people are more worried about the finances. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's it's more of like a fan um fun event. Yeah. So that sounds great. It's definitely the superior version of IgerCon. <laughs> <laughs> The event where Bob Iger descends from his high pedestal and greets the shareholders to information about shares. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. Now I'm imagining him like swooping in like Lady Gaga at the Super Bowl. (laughs) I'm picturing him dressed in like Snoke's iridescent robe. (gasps) Yes. And sat on a throne, baby. (laughs) Amazing. Someone should suggest that for next year. Yeah, no, I feel like there needs to be fan art of this. Um, it's like in the call that we listened to, there were also like other people helping out. So it's like mm-hmm. a lady and then another dude. And maybe they could be like the Hux and the Kylo to Bob Iger's <laughs> Snoke or something. Sorry, I'm taking this way so, too far. I'm just going to stop now. So much potential. Yes. <laughs> a, a narrative waiting to happen. Okay, right. Let's move on from that silliness. Um... <laughs> And yeah, would you care to explain what the first story is, Kirsty? Sure. So it's that finally the episode nine panel has been announced for Celebration Chicago. JJ Abrams is currently the only confirmed guest for the panel, but of course we expect many more to follow, and we've already heard that people involved in the sequel trilogy will be at Chicago. Ugh, I really butchered that one too. Don't worry, go again. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we've already heard that lots of people who are already involved with the sequel trilogy will be in Chicago. I think Greg Gunberg, is that how you say his name? Yeah. He said he's so. going to be there. We heard um, kind of third party that Oscar Isaac would be there. John Boyega was posting cryptically about Celebration on Instagram this week. So exciting times. So it's going to be on the Friday, which is what many people have been predicting based on what had already been announced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense because Friday they can have all the press write up the articles about the teaser and whatever else they show. Yeah. A Saturday it might be a little slower. So Exactly. And that also says to me it's very likely to be in the morning, which I think is what we'd imagine and expect based on precedent. But again, mm-hmm. in terms of giving all those journos time to actually write it all up and create two dozen articles about it they need the (laughs) afternoon to do that basically so yeah and for us to record our podcast (laughs) yes exactly yeah the most (laughs) obviously they're doing it for us (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you guys it's very accommodating of you um yeah no so it's very very exciting although i do i know that realistically there will be other people there besides jj abrams and i think they also said kathleen kennedy's confirmed as well oh okay is those two confirmed yeah no worries um but i just love the thought of everyone expecting this big deal but it's only jj who comes out and he just gives this big like take on his mystery box speech and then he leaves and he hasn't shown anything can you imagine that would be so so funny well you know i said oh i'd be really really like i'd be pleased to hear what jj thought of the last jedi now that he's able to talk about it in detail now that we have the movie and it's been marinating for a couple years Um, Because obviously before it came out, he was only able to speak in very vague terms. So it was just being complimentary to Ryan and excited about what would come. Um, I would be happy for him just to talk about The Last Jedi and like where he understood the characters to be going. And he doesn't need to give us huge specifics on episode nine. And he probably won't aside from what's going to be in the teaser. Yeah. I really Um, hope they take the angle actually. So I'd feel like a very natural starting point for the discussion to like say, okay, so this is where we left the story in The Last Jedi and this is how we're going to build on it. Obviously, again, mm-hmm. in extremely general terms, but yeah, it would be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's probably safe to say that this is the panel we're most psyched for, correct, Kirsty? Yeah, I mean, even if we weren't able to get into the room, it's yeah. going to be live streamed and showing everywhere everyone will be able to watch it at the same time yeah so exactly and i think the buzz in 
that conference space is just going to be indescribable, regardless of geographically where you are. Obviously, we hope to be able to get in, but we're going to have to see because ReadPop ain't telling us anything. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll find out eventually, probably like two days before it happens or something. So, oh, yeah, guys, here's the coon system. Have fun. Bye. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, I'm not sure whether I'm more excited for the first footage from the film or the first poster from the film because I obviously I'm excited for both being realistic, but just that poster for The Last Jedi, which we've already talked about in the last show, I think, that was such an incredible poster. And I think I find the poster so interesting and. I anticipate it so much precisely because that's sort of their statement on what they want you to take away about the film. And I'm really curious to see, like, what is the face of this film that you are going to present to that room? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. I think they might also be doing it, and I I don't keep up with Avengers stuff, but I've heard that the title for that, the new one that's coming out, was only released with one of the trailers. Yeah, that's correct. It came out of the first trailer. So it sounds like they might be going for that this time too because we obviously don't have the title yet yeah. and it'd be weird to get a teaser for episode 9 without that. So Yeah, it would be very, very strange. Um, And it's so funny you say that because I had literally forgotten that, yeah, we're going to find out the title in all likelihood <laughs> at this event. Like, So I guess because in previous years we've had the title for a long time by this point. Um, mm-hmm. So I think The Last Jedi was the latest and that was in January um and so yeah they're really starving us this time but yeah like the the title is always a tricky thing isn't it it's just like how much does the title really tell you come on like although it's fun to have those discussions i guess so well you never know it could be that this time part of the strategy is that they're keeping the title under wraps because it relates to something that's in the teaser and they need to release them together you know then it will make sense that's a good idea i like it who knows They could just be doing it to frustrate us, but it would be nice if it all like worked together and it'd be like, oh, okay, that's why, because we had to see that for it to make sense. Yeah. And... I think I'd feel a bit like the suffering was worth it if they <laughs> went with that route of it. And it's like, okay, it makes sense now, guys. I forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have also said that the Galaxy's Edge panel will be on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect lots more information about that, which is exciting, because then at that point... It will just be, like, what, a month? Maybe six weeks before the first people can start going to Galaxy's Edge for real in California? Yeah, which is pretty wild. Yeah. I know they've promised, like, all surprises and treats, but I'm so curious to see what sort of form that's going to take. Is it going to be, like, something tangible for the people in the room? Yeah, they're going to have samples of the green milk. (laughs) Yes, that would be amazing. Oh, my gosh. I've actually been to, like, training sessions for, like, work before, where they were giving out like smoothies in these like most adorable tiny milk bottles. If they did something like that with like the green milk and the blue milk, that would just be the absolute best. They would win such major kudos. Yeah, if that's the case, it's worth going to that panel for sure. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely go. It's like, hey guys, got a massive buffet for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love food, so that would instantly attract me. Right, are we ready to move on to the stuff about Oscar Isaac, Kirsty? Yes. Um, so Oscar Isaac has been out promoting his movie, I think it's called Triple Frontier. I meant to watch it last night on Netflix and then didn't get around to it. Right, but yeah. It also stars a Pedro Pascal, so that's another Star Wars connection. Oh, nice. Um, so he's been out promoting that, and obviously people are going to ask him about episode nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has mentioned his rap date and... Um, kind of an evolution of the dynamic that we saw between Leia and Poe for episode 8 mm-hmm. so this tweet is from Slimo, who was watching him on Jimmy Fallon she says watching Oscar Isaac on Fallon tonight and he's talking about how his last day of filming Star Wars episode 9 coincided with Anthony Daniels it was very emotional Anthony kept saying that this was the most fun he'd had and that he had so much to do they got to work a lot together Oh, that's nice and- yeah, and then I watched the clip and it was really great because Oscar clearly has such a deep understanding of Star Wars, in my opinion, because he was like talking about how from the beginning it's been R2 and 3PO narrating Star Wars. So he was so humbled to be finishing on the same day as the guy who played C3PO for all of these movies. Oh, that is really cool. Bless him. Yeah. 
it's the end of an era. It must have been incredibly emotional. Yeah. No, so I said, I think he's spoken before, hasn't he, about how he grew up in this family of huge Star Wars fans. So, yeah, yeah, it's nice that he has that cred behind him. Anyway, this was especially interesting because it kind of relates to a discussion that we were having last week, which was very speculative and kind of based on the lack of information we had around Oscars wrapping Mm -hmm. um, for episode nine. Because this indicates that he wrapped much later than we had been wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, although, because I think, what what date did you see that Anthony Daniels had wrapped? January sometime? Yeah, it was late January, like January 29th or something. Right. Um, I think it's still the case that Oscar had like gone back to New York and was spending time with his family and everything. Yeah. Um, but then obviously flew back to London to wrap up these last scenes that might have just been like, they needed to logistically just work out these things right at the end. So it's not necessarily at the end of the movie chronologically, yeah. but it's stuff that they still had to do. Yeah. Um, but either way, it means that he didn't wrap when we first fall, which was like during the Jordan filming. Yeah, exactly. Which would have been very early because Jordan was back in the autumn of 2018 Mm -hmm. so yeah it's good to know that he went on in the film considerably later so yes i'm feeling a bit more optimistic about poe's fate now (laughs) yes exactly so right we don't need to get out the back black crepe yet so (laughs) (laughs) um and then another interview um he gave with the radio station sirius xm um this is from a redditor who transcribed it so the host is asking him about how he's just wrapped episode nine and um, that he's probably going to have a lot of questions about Carrie Fisher and her role in the movie. Um, he says, but when you saw Star Wars episode eight, were you surprised at how your relationship with Carrie Fisher was such an emotional centerpiece of the film? And Oscar responds, I wasn't surprised because I remember we were doing that. We worked a lot and her and I worked together so much too. And we would talk about the scenes and we would, you know, we got very tight during the shooting of that. So it was a beautiful thing to see and it gets carried over into the new film. And the host replies, I look forward to having you here next year when we can talk about it because I can only imagine having to work with her with the scenes that they're inserting would be emotional for you on a whole other level. Yeah, no, it is. It was definitely an unusual thing, but I also think it was right to engage with her character and not just let it be something that fades away but can really give its proper, you know, place of honour. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. It kind of ties into what Mark Hamill was saying in the comments we were talking about last week where he was discussing how they have still managed to make episode 9 Leia's film and make her like a real centrepiece of it so yeah it's really great that they've managed to incorporate that Leia and Poe dynamic because I found that really critical to The Last Jedi it really is like right up to the end when Leia says what are you looking at me for follow him yeah you know, that's her passing the torch, but it still means that their relationship is going to be very important. Yeah, exactly. I'm just really intrigued to see how they're actually able to execute this. Yeah. No, I'm so desperately intrigued. Because, yeah, I, I think they're going to be doing a lot of stuff with technology. Like, not even necessarily in terms of CGI, but in terms of the extent to which they can repurpose that existing footage. And yeah, I think there's going to be lots of stuff with like using like someone else's voice and stuff. And yeah, I'm sure it'll all be seamless. Um, but it's going to be a bit distracting, I think, the first time we see Leia on screen because it's going to be inescapable the circumstances in which that scene was created. But I think as long as it's done well, it will be it will become easy to suspend that and just accept it for what it is. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if they're going to show Leia right at the end of the teaser. That wouldn't surprise me. I can definitely see them pulling that as like a trump card. Yeah, it would be in a very emotional showstopper. Yeah. No. It's crazy to think, but those first Last Jedi trailers, they came out after Carrie had passed. So they were still... And I don't necessarily mean in like a cynical, exploitative way, but they would have obviously constructed that trailer with some awareness of the emotional resonance that C and Leia would have for people. And yeah, I think that's magnified for this film because... Yeah, it was made with the full knowledge that, yeah, Carrie's gone. Definitely. Right, okay, unbelievably, that is literally it for the news, because (laughs) the news is basically non-existent this week, which... Watch something big drop as soon as we finish recording. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Cruel fate, cruel fate. 
Um, but yeah, luckily we do have something substantial to discuss in that we are now at the end of Star's Resistance Season 1, which is wild because, yeah, it's been such a fun, fun ride. I really loved the show more than I could have possibly anticipated. I was always predisposed to particularly enjoy it because of where in the timeline it's set and the sort of dynamics it has going on and how it interweaves with the sequel trilogy. But I never anticipated how much I would just really come to love and appreciate this show in its own right and how much I actually care for the main characters in this show completely separate from any links they may have to the key characters in the sequel trilogy. So yeah, I can't applaud the people behind the show enough because I, I think it was so well done. Yeah, it's far surpassed my expectations. Um, and I know we always lose people at this part of the show because not everyone watches Resistance. Yeah. So I would just highly recommend it to people. Mm. Like now that the series is finished or the season's finished, um, now's a good time to get into it and just binge the whole thing. Yeah. Um, exactly. Because it's really great now to look back on how things have advanced in hindsight. Yeah. And I think if some people were maybe a little bit frustrated with some of the early episodes, feeling that things were going a bit slow and that there wasn't much momentum, I think that having that ability to binge it all in one go now, that will help with that so much. Because it's like, sure, you do get some episodes that may be a bit less essential to the main story than others. But at the same time you don't need to worry about them so much. It's not like you're stewing on them for a week. You can just jump straight onto the next one. Yeah, and all of those episodes are really great for the character development that we're seeing that builds to what we've now got with this yeah. finale, which is truly epic. Yes. Um, and you can see how everything has woven together. Yeah. Um, it all works. So I'm really hesitant to call those episodes filler because they're not. They're, they're what allow us to get connected to these characters. Yeah. No, I, I do think you're absolutely right. And it's sort of a situation where something that may feel a bit like filler or like it's just taking up space at the time. Like you say, what with the benefit of hindsight, when you look at what the show does with those characters and those relationships, it does all feel very earned and like everything's a building block that's sort of necessary to the culmination of it. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the finale, I'm still processing everything because, oh, poor Kaz. Yeah. That final episode is still very raw, guys. Literally finished it less than an hour ago. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, like, I think if you're still here, then you are fully prepared for big resistance spoilers. Um, but, yep, Hosnium Prime went bye-bye. And, mm -hmm. yeah, just the way they framed it around Kaz's experience of that moment, it was so powerful and so impressive. And it was also really effective in how understated it was in a way like the fact that Kaz doesn't like break down hysterically it's just this really like quiet moment of numb horror and him like it's sinking in for him that oh god I've lost my parents I've lost my friends and yeah just the magnitude of that you can't process it <laughs> in the time that Kaz has and I think it struck such a great balance between having him be absolutely devastated by it but still having that old style spirit of I'm devastated, but I still need to keep on going because there's a very, very immediate threat here and there's a fight that needs to be fought. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't... It's it's too big to process. So even as he's watching it, it still feels so abstract. He doesn't know until afterwards, even though he clearly has the suspicion that it's Hosnian Prime, he has to ask Seabree 23 to confirm it. Yes. Um, and he can't react loudly because those stormtroopers are right there applauding it. Yeah. Which is just another layer of horror. Yeah. Um, so what I loved so much about this was, you know, we get all sorts of elements in terms of it enriching what we saw in The Force Awakens, um, adding a personal connection that wasn't quite there with that because um, obviously with the Corsella character, who Leia sends to Hosnian Prime, and we do see in that shot of it just as those people are realising they're about to die, mm. um, that character doesn't have context for us anymore. Yeah. Because unless you read the novelization, you don't even know that that character has a name. Yeah. Um, or that she's there because Leia sent her. Um, so with this, you know, we're, we're watching it unfold through Kaz's eyes, and we know that the whole season's been leading up to it ever since he told us that he's from Hosnian Prime. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it's really powerful. 
Yeah. And now I hate hooks even more, and I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> and I wish we hadn't had that cutscene, or rather, I wish that it was kept in the movie in the Last Jedi of Rose biting his finger because he deserves that and so much worse. Yeah, exactly. And it makes him look like an utter fool. Not that he doesn't already look quite foolish in the Last Jedi in a delicious way. But yeah, just watching him be humiliated like that in front of a room full of his soldiers is yeah pretty special. Um, yeah, I saw I can see in the notes, Kirsty, that you made exactly the same observation that I made, which I'm sure almost everyone made to be honest, because it's so transparent. That is really funny. That cartoon Hux is so understated relative to animated Hux. It's like yeah, animated Hux looks quite collected and like he's a professional, whereas live action Hux is an absolute maniac and Mm -hmm. yeah it's like they were embarrassed or something oh yeah I maintain that that's my headcanon that they somehow were able to quickly edit the footage before sending it out (laughs) to make their leader look less like a fool yeah I'll tell you what I think there's a lot of potential for a really funny sitcom set in the PR department of the First Order I think that'd be hilarious (laughs) Can you imagine all the work they'd have to do and all the bullshit they'd have to deal with on a daily basis? It would just be firefighting. It would be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of mess at the top of this organisation. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what? The Supreme Leader's dead? <laughs> yeah, because Ray, the girl, killed him. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all by herself. Oh, there might be a fan fiction in that. I need to think about developing that into something. And yet the other big like shock and awe aspect of this finale, this two-part finale, is probably that they did it. They tote sent Tam to the First Order and she made it her choice. She was not taken there by force. Yeah, and what I love about that is that she's clearly given the choice. So you've got Yeager and Kaz on one side telling her to believe them but of course why would she at this point because they've been lying to her this entire time yeah um and I know that from their perspective it was to protect her yeah um but she feels cheated and left out and now Tierney's promising her that she can be a pilot and find a place and a purpose and she's like yeah I have nothing left Yeager was my father figure yeah it's yeah, it's really great for Tam because we really, she's given so much agency in this episode and it really paves the way for a promising arc in the second season. Yeah, no, I'm so excited now for what they can do with that character. And they're on their way back to Starkiller Base now and we know how that goes. Yeah. So is it going to be gone by the time they even get there or are they toast? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what's going to happen there? <laughs> That would be very anticlimactic, wouldn't it, if they've just set up this, like, awesome arc with Tam joining the First Order. And that then, like, in the first episode of Season 2, there's a throwaway line. Oh, yeah, that ship that Tam was on, it went and returned to Starkiller Base and was blown up. It's pretty grim. (laughs) It just makes you wonder where she's going to end up, because what happens to the other... It, It raises questions about things and parts of the First Order that I'd never really even considered because obviously Starkiller itself is so huge and yet we know from watching The Last Jedi that they had so much more. Mm. They have, you know, the Supremacy and all these other Star Destroyers. So where do they end up? Is is Tamon one of those by the time we get to The Last Jedi? Are they still out there, like, on their small ship figuring out where to go? Like, where is Tierney in the larger ranking system? Yeah. There's, Tierney comes across as quite important, but the First Order command structure is completely nebulous and impenetrable. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I mean, Commander Pi, it's, it seems like Kaz um, got rid of Von Reg, right? Because... They made a big point of that. Yeah, that was him being the true hero for Yiga at that point. And, oh, I guess you are a good pilot, and... Yeah, there's just these big moments where, like, you know, when Kaz and Tora are able to rescue her father and Yiga from jail, mm. and, yeah, Yiga says, maybe you're a better resistance agent than I gave you credit for. So it's kind of all looping back to the first episode when yeah. he was like, oh, God, I don't know about this kid. Yeah, no, and it's so nice because the growth that Kaz undergoes over the course of this series is really quite something to behold because he's still very recognisably himself. But he is so much more mature, confident, and capable. 
And yeah, it's just a really satisfying arc for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is really well done. And I loved seeing um, Sonara and um, Anzi yes. and Hype Phase on and everyone basically show up to help out the dudes at the end. That was so lovely to see. It's like, yay, teamwork. Woo! So, yeah. yeah, it was that classic finale feel where they're all effectively members of the Resistance now. I'm going to be interested to see what they do with the rest of those pirates because Sonara, I feel like, by making this choice, she was like, yeah, I... I owe this loyalty to Kaz. Yes. But the others, I'm like, mm. yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to go. Exactly. Yeah. But... It's either going to be a thing where they have it. So that Sonara is like, right. Yeah. That was my decisive moment. I've absolutely joined the resistance. Or she's like, look, it was a favor under dire circumstances. And I can't be in this situation on a long-term basis. So yeah, we'll, we'll find out next time. Um, but yeah, like I really liked how happy Kaz was to see Sonara. He's like, Sonara! Woo! <laughs> it's adorable. Yeah. And coming back to the Tam and Kaz relationship as well, I really liked how they they were emphasizing that economic class divide between them. Yes. Um, because you, you cut from Kaz revealing oh, to his friends, oh yeah, well, I grew up there with my wealthy senator parents. They who have connections to the military, I can figure this out. Yeah. And Niku's all skeptical and thinking that he has these delusions of grandeur. And then they cut to Tam like eating this meal of Tierney and being like, oh, I haven't eaten like this in a long time. Yeah. So it's really like, what are they going to be able to offer her materially? Yeah. No, it's quite cleverly constructed, really. That's the sort of thing where. You need to like think a bit more about it, but it is absolutely deliberate. You're right, because yeah, Tam clearly doesn't come from that same place of privilege, and she was under the impression that by putting in all this hard graft under Jaeger, she would eventually be rewarded and be able to go somewhere. But she still felt like she was making absolutely no progress and getting no recognition, and I think that's a very very relatable feeling. So, yeah, I'm so fascinated now by the position that she's in because she's still very much this figure of sympathy who we relate to and we feel for, yet she's nominally with the bad guys. And I think they're going to handle that with a lot of nuance and delicacy that I don't for a moment see them doing it like where Tam is like, ho, 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 I'm going to get you now. Um, I think it will be either they show her gradually getting like more and more indoctrinated by and corrupted by the First Order and that being like this real like slippery slope type situation or they gradually show her naivety given way to oh shit this is what the First Order actually is I need to get out of here and then she goes back and helps the resistance with the knowledge she's gained yeah it almost has like a Lost Stars feel yeah absolutely I really hope that she like makes friends in the First Order as well. I think that would be really cool. Like if she like befriends like some stormtroopers or something. Like sort of like Finn, I suppose. And that would Tam and Finn, yeah. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> and I love this idea actually of like there being like whispers and rumours about Finn among the like stormtrooper ranks, this like infamous stormtrooper who like broke away from his conditioning and joined with the treacherous resistance and whatever. And yeah, maybe some of the stormtroopers actually think, wow, that actually sounds quite cool. <laughs> That'd be really yeah. interesting. Because it is interesting how Resistance approaches the issues with the stormtroopers as well. Because, I mean, to an extent, like there were a couple of, you know, remember a couple of episodes ago where we had that, like following the story of this trooper who was <laughs> essentially like kidnapped by Kaz and his friends. Um, and then Kaz nicked his costume and was like going around pretending to be him and oh, then he yeah. got punished because of it so he had to be sent to reconditioning yeah I remember and then that in, in, and then in the finale we've got them basically being used as cannon fodder like being washed out to sea and drowned or swept up by sea monsters and presumably eaten yes I thought that was pretty grim actually I was like yeah. oh my. and then Tor is like yay we did it and I'm like <laughs> oh my god you just killed those people like I, I know it's like those people are after them too so you're not supposed to be sympathetic yeah as such but it's still like whoa like that could be Finn it's yeah. so funny to see them like veering between these two delicate issues with the, the stormtroopers and then in these ways like not being delicate at all and i guess that's just the reality of star wars but it's like wait wait a minute that could have been finn yeah exactly i hope they engage more with that in the next season because yeah i think that is quite natural that tam would feel an affinity with those like lower ranks 
because based on how chummy Tierney's getting with her, I don't for a moment think Tam's going to become a stormtrooper as such. I think she's going to be assigned to like an officer class. But I I think she'd feel a lot for them and she'd feel a lot of connection with them. And Mm. yeah, hopefully through Tam we get our eyes opened and like, hey, maybe they're people too. Yeah, maybe that is supposed to link up with, well, potentially something that Finn has going on in Nine. We'll see. Yeah. I know for a long time we've wanted that idea of Finn like addressing his past and wanting to help the other troopers because they're essentially in the same shoes that he was in. Yeah. Um, But we'll see if that actually comes to pass. Exactly. I did like that by having Antsy and Hype turn up. That kind of removes the plot hole of them having wound up on Takadana. Like because literally as the events of No Escape Part 2 are happening... (laughs) Takadana has been is like under siege by the First Order, essentially. So mm. really, they made a good call because I think they'd be in deeper <laughs> shit if they'd stayed on Takadana. To be honest, that place was completely wrecked. So yeah, they left at the right time. Yeah, and Auntie jumped on hype and kissed him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, OTP, OTP. <laughs> it's good to get at least one kiss in the whole season. So yeah. I'll take it. Exactly. Yeah, that's our um like romance quota filled for the time being i know i feel satisfied by that <laughs> um oh yeah and was it in part one where they show um flicks and orca like literally hiding in like a packaging yeah that was cute to see them again <laughs> that was adorable i love that it's such a great idea as well like yeah we're just chilling here it's fine we really don't give a shit about the conflict oh yeah they had no idea this the station was even underwater <laughs> they were just completely oblivious like oh yeah they'll ship us off it's fine we're just gonna eat our supplies here <laughs> or because they're eating bacon which like led me down this weird path of like wait a minute isn't he a pig <laughs> i looked it up and it was like a different species that he was eating but it was still funny that they called it bacon <laughs> I love that you were able to find out the species he was eating. <laughs> it was amazing. in the data bag, so they must have known that people were like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Hang <laughs> on. There's some weird cannibalism going on here. Resistance was darker than I thought this time. <laughs> yeah, it was good to see them again. It's kind of nice with a finale that you just get all of these characters kind of coming back. Yeah. So you can say goodbye to them. Absolutely. Or at least in the meantime. I am also glad that Dozer survived. I was a little bit yes. concerned at a certain point that they were going to off him, but mm. they clearly think he has continued usefulness. And I also thought it was a nice touch at the end. You see him back at his office. And while you only <laughs> see him from the back, you know he's thinking, it's mine, bitch. It's mine. Yeah. He got it back. Yeah. He's, he's where he belongs. So it'll be interesting to see how he's going to slot into things, whether they make it back to the Resistance, because, of course, Niku reveals at the end that he didn't have time to punch in all of those coordinates, uh, which I think might be a blessing in disguise, depending on where they end up, because Dakar is probably not the safest place to be right now. Yeah. Um, It's just about to be evacuated. But, yeah, it's like, well, are they going to end up somewhere worse? Are they going to be somewhere safe so that it's like a point of safety for other members of the Resistance once they get into trouble? Yeah. Like, how does it tie into the events of The Last Jedi where it's like, no one's coming to save us once they're on crate? Mm. Um, there are all these questions. Yeah. And this is why we're going to try and be in that room on the Monday of Star Celebration so that we can watch that first episode of season two and find the answers. If they show it. <laughs> they really better now. I've full cheated. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's really entitled. <laughs> they could just have an extended trailer, so I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much. It'll be really exciting if they do have the full episode, and I know they've done that for animation in the past, yes. but they could be being more secretive precisely because it's like in that timeline. They could um, be like, we'll see. this has too many implications, guys. Sorry. Yeah, there's so many possibilities. What do you think about this season in general? Because I know a lot of people, I'm not an animation expert, so this is all just like my impression. I really, really loved the design and style of the characters, of the way things moved in the show. It felt so, it felt so animated, which I know sounds silly, but everything was so versatile and expressive and a lot of like the designs that already existed in the sequel trilogy, like the ball droids, really came to life in this show for me. Yeah. Um, they were so expressive in the way that they like move around, like move their heads. And I know that's something that you get in live action too. And that's like a real testament to the design of BB-8. Yeah. But they did a great job with the animation as well. It like almost brought it to another level. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Like 
I, I think when I saw the initial trailer, I wasn't sold on the animation style. But I think as soon as I saw it within a full episode, I was like, wow, this works really well. Because it's just so kinetic and fluid. And it just makes the show feel really nice and organic and natural in terms of how the characters move and interact. And yeah, and I like that it strikes this sort of balance between 2D and 3D animation. Because I don't like proper full-on 3D animation. Because I think it's very rare that it looks good. I think sometimes when it's super stylized, like in shows for really young kids, it can look quite cool. But when they try for something a little bit more sophisticated with like character animations and stuff, unless you're talking like Pixar level budgets, it, it doesn't really work very well on a TV budget, basically. So yeah, I think they struck a really great balance in terms of the style they chose for the show. And I think all the characters are so appealing. It's just lovely. I, I especially like um, Sonara's design. She was like my mm-hmm. favourite character design out of all of them. Yeah, it's really colourful and everyone looks so distinctive. You can immediately distinguish who's who. Um, like, I don't know. I don't have... I, I just have so much good stuff to say about it. Like, it's just... I don't know. I connect to this show more than I ever did with Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, and it's sometimes hard to explain why. I just immediately gravitated towards these characters and what was going on here. Kaz is just instantly relatable and funny. Yeah. Um. And through that, you just connect with the others because he makes friends and really trusted relationships with all these characters. And even with someone like Tam, you can feel that angst. Like, yeah. things go wrong, but you're invested. Yeah, definitely. Because you know that he had good intentions. Like, you know, right at the end when he he's like, well, yes, we did lie, but uh, not really. And it's like, <laughs> you know exactly what he means and why he's having a hor- horrible time expressing it because... It wasn't like lying maliciously. It was to protect her, but also because he had these responsibilities to the resistance. Yeah. But how can he explain all that when he's under pressure and the First Order are there, right, holding their weapons, facing them? And it's just like, yeah, you sympathize with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he's a perfect audience surrogate, essentially. And I really like that they chose to have him be this rich kid because I feel like that's a relatively fresh take for Star Wars. Because we're used to dealing with like scrappy underdogs who come from nothing and like are really poor and like have like a bad start in life to a certain extent. And Kaz is clearly very privileged and very entitled. And I think it just gave him quite a distinct arc from those other heroes that we're used to dealing with. I remember when we saw that first blurry promotional shot from Resistance and I saw like Kaz, who was clearly positioned as the main character. I was like, oh god, he looks just like Ezra. You know, talking about Ezra from Rebels. But he could not be more different from Ezra in terms of his background and how he's characterised. And yeah, yeah, it was really well done. And Yeah, and it means that he's had all these expectations placed on him, you know, with these parents, or at least his father. We don't know much about his mum, but his father was a senator. Yeah. So, and I think, I can't remember, it's like in the first episode when he's talking to him, it's like this idea of his father has been doing all these things like trying to call in these favors to help Kaz find his path and find where he belongs and really succeed in life. Yeah. And and now we're seeing Kaz do that, but in a way that's probably very unconventional and not at all what his father had in mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's what's right for him and it's where he's found his purpose and meaning in life. So yeah, it's really great. No, exactly. And it's all driven by his own actions rather than like anyone fixing something for him which is very empowering. Um, yeah, and just, like, there's so many fantastic supporting characters in this show. Like, if you had to name, like, your three favourite supporting characters in Resistance, Kirsty, who would they be? Um, Aunt Z. Mm-hmm. Awesome choice. That would be one of mine, too. <laughs> um, and I'd probably go with Flix and Orca as, like, you can't separate them because yeah. they're such a great double They act. count as one. That's absolutely fine. You, you get one more as well. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, who counts as minor? I I don't know. <laughs> Cause like, I really just meant like supporting characters generally, not even necessarily minor ones. Oh, okay. Um, uh, does Sonara count or is she more major? I think she counts, to be honest. I feel like okay. Kaz is the only true main main character. Mm. With the other characters, there are definitely spotlights on them. Like, Sonara gets a lot of screen time in that specific arc of hers. But... Yeah, she's still not like the main focus of the show and it's very much Kaz's story, not Sonara's story. 
Oh, it's really hard to choose, though, because I'm also like, well, I really love Tam and I really love Tora. Yeah. And Niku. Oh, my God, Niku. How... I love them. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Well, I can help you out by choosing those three characters. <laughs> so then we balance out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you choose Niku? I choose Niku. I've... Oh, my God. That is such a turnaround from the beginning of the show when you were like, I don't think I'm as enamored with him as you are. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, he, seriously, he's really, really grown on me. I find him really yeah. sweet and, and appealing now. Because don't get yeah. me wrong, he still messes up. But I feel like he's also great hey he came through yeah exactly i know he didn't get those coordinates in but he he got them into hyperspace (laughs) yes with the help of the kids yeah no no it's true like and that's what i was building towards like (laughs) sorry don't don't worry it's fine um yeah like sure he's a bit of a klutz still he's still very goofy but in like a really endearing way and he has progressed a lot over the course of the season and he's had development Mm -hmm. and he's had growth and i find that so impressive because he could have so easily purely just been the silly comic relief guy. And he is very much like the source of comic relief. But he's also a lot more than that. He's this really kind, sensitive person. And that's portrayed as this really wonderful, fantastic thing that needs to be preserved at all costs. You know, it's like I will protect him with my life. So, yeah, yeah I really like Niku now. Yeah, I mean, he came up with that amazing plan that's actually quite sinister of drowning out the stormtroopers. Yes. <laughs> um, he proposes mass murder with a smile. <laughs> and, oh, I loved, my heart basically melted when he was like, did you hear that? This Kaz called me his buddy. <laughs> that's a term of endearment in many cultures. Like, yes, it is, Niku. He's your friend. <laughs> and um, what's his call sign again for Kaz, which I found adorable? Oh, blowfish one blowfish one yes i i love that it's like when he called him blowfish one again in part two of no escape i was like i love this i hope this continues into season two please let it continue so great yeah no it's just such a lovely show and yeah i'm really really excited and hyped for season two because i think what i really hope they do is like they show these two contrasting perspectives that we don't just get cows on the colossus and with the resistance but we also get tam with the first order and we get these sort of like Mm -hmm. parallel stories with them because the dramatic potential there it's just boundless basically definitely and if it's scheduled to like coincide with episode nine coming out in december so we get a little bit of resistance and then afterwards it's like is that going to mean anything for the story or is it going to kind of still carry on in pre-episode nine time yeah because i guess it depends how big the leap turns out to be yeah i i feel like that would still be kept in mind for when things are actually going to be going out yeah absolutely i get the impression that season two of resistance will largely be in that time span between episode eight and episode nine which i think will make it absolutely crucial viewing before episode nine because it's really going to be setting the groundwork for what the state of the galaxy is and I think that'll be really, really fascinating. Of course, there'll be limits on how much they can tell us about what the state of the galaxy is. But I think that they've shown us a hell of a lot already. And it's been surprisingly sophisticated and rich storytelling. And they've really done a great deal to flesh out the politics and the wider galactic situation in a way that's really enriched The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi for me. So I fully expect it to enrich episode nine too. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what it comes down to. It's enriched the sequel trilogy in ways that I didn't think it was going to. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'm probably going to get evangelical about this and like really try and <laughs> persuade people to watch it yeah. if they haven't. Because it's like if, if you're sitting around waiting for more sequel trilogy stuff, it's right here. Yeah, um, exactly. So I know that we've been impatient for episode nine stuff, but I think we would have been so much more if we hadn't had resistance to kind of focus on in the meantime. Yeah, I think so we'd be going stir crazy. <laughs> it's been a gift in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. We've been blessed. Um, yeah, so very excited for what's to come. And yeah, here's hoping that we go back to getting more news about Star Wars next week because yeah, we're sure out of <laughs> resistance now. So ah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, we also want to do more spotlights as well. So we'll like start working again and preparing stuff. And also, most importantly, we'll start preparing for celebration. So yeah, it's gonna be here so soon. 
So yeah, I'm very excited. I know. I I know that it's like what three weeks away, three and a half weeks. I still can't believe it because, yeah, yeah, it's really really freaky. I remember like booking like flights and stuff, and it felt like it was an eternity away. And the fact that yep, yeah, isn't it here now? It's just around the corner. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the start. That's like the start of episode nine season for real because. I mean, we get Vanity Fair. That's like the June issue, right? That So it comes out sometime in May. Yeah. Or at least we'll start to see like the first exclusive looks at photos for that, if they're going to do it in the same way that they have in the past, which I kind of think that they will, even if everything else has worked differently, because that's going to be more of like what's on Vanity Fair's schedule. Yeah, exactly. He'll be like, sorry, JJ, you don't have any choice in this. We're more powerful. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be good. Um and yeah, I really think we're going to be in a very different fandom post celebration. I think so much is going to come out, and yeah, the hype is real, guys. <laughs> Yay! So yeah, exciting times. Um, but yeah, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So I'm Rachel. You can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, bye. Bye.